0: I'm thankful for a congregation that, that serves Jesus with their whole heart and is on mission. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Pastor Kent reached out a couple of weeks ago and asked me to put this Sunday morning on my radar. And even gave me the title of my sermon, Joe. He reached out two weeks ago and he said, preach on this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're talking about a multiplying mission today. It's going to be a little bit of a, of a lesson and more of a teaching format. It's easy for me to get preachy, so that, that comes, you know, just kind of de facto. But, but amongst the family today, amongst sons and daughters of the Most High King, I'd like for us just to have a conversation around what it looks like to be on mission and what God believes to be true about how that mission should be multiplying because of who He is. That's right. Because not of anything that we have done, but because of all that he has done. Look around, folks, all that he has done. Amen? Heavenly Father, in your holy name, Jesus, in your resurrected name, we come before you this morning, God, and we ask for spiritual ears to be opened. God, we ask for spiritual eyes to see, God, what it is that you're up to in this day and hour. Holy Spirit, come. We need you. We need you now more than we have ever needed you. Holy is your name. Praise you, God. Lord, I pray distractions fall away right now. We're focused. We keep our eyes fixed, our gaze fixed on you, the author, the perfecter of our faith. It's all about you today, King Jesus. Glory to your name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I've shared the message uh, title with you already. Mission Multiplication. Maybe because my antenna's covered up. It's all good. I'll just shut it off. I'm getting excited. Mission multiplication. We're going to be in Deuteronomy. We're going to be in Job. We're going to be in First and 2 Kings. We're going to be in Matthew. We're going to be in Luke. We're going to be in Colossians. And appropriately enough, we're going to end in Revelations 22. So if you've got your Bibles, I would keep them handy. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. But when you're tasked with, when you're charged with speaking... On the precept and the principle of godly biblical multiplication, it's easy to find examples. It's easy to open the Word of God and to start in Genesis 1 and to go all the way through. And, and to talk about this, what at surface is a simple concept. The concept of multiplication. We all participate in it on a daily basis. My weight has been multiplying for years. The bills I have to pay have multiplied for years. We understand the basic concept. We, we teach basic math to our children. We talk a lot when we're youngsters about addition and subtraction and multiplying and dividing, but is it so simple and so basic That it's easy to get distracted and to forget the easy stuff? That's true in my life. I get easily distracted. I'm really dedicated right now standing on this platform in front of all of you in the the presence and in sight of a holy God. What about tomorrow morning? What about Tuesday afternoon? Is my gaze as fixed on Him when I'm writing my next project estimate is my heart fully devoted to God the next time the puppies poop in the yard that's a mess that's a mess my heart drifts with puppies they're a mess I'm easily distracted Bill And if I'm to live a a life according to the word of God in alignment with what I profess with my mouth and believe in my heart to be true about who God is and who I am in his eyes, I have to keep my focus on that throughout my day, throughout my week. And so we're going to start in the Old Testament and we're going to read a little bit about our history. And I'm going to ask you for the next few minutes that we have together to think not just on the things that are physical as we speak about multiplication, but, but also your impact, your, your propensity, your capacity to have spiritual multiplication in your life. It's, it's the only way. When you're tapped into the source when you're abiding in the vine, when you're living your life and your heart has been transformed on the daily right. in front of a holy God, the only way to live spiritually is to multiply. Anything opposite of that was not ever His plan for you. I'm speaking spiritually. I'm, I'm not talking about what is, what is dead and what is decaying in this life. It's important for us to make that distinction between what is temporary and what is carnal and what is flesh encompassed on this globe and what is eternal and what has lasting value. Deuteronomy 8. And thank you, Miss Sandy, for all your help with the slides. Don't worry yourself too much with trying to keep up with me because I'm not real good at following my notes anyway. (laughs) Deuteronomy 8. I'd like to read this entire passage to you and I'm going to start clipping along so keep your, keep your fingers moist and on the pages of your Bible and Sandy's going to click through up there. The first point of my message today as it pertains to being on a, a multiplying mission for God is how we opened this morning that it's all about Him. You want to, you want to stay on mission. It's, it's not about anything you will do in and of yourself. We, we, need to, we need to die to that notion today. We need to take the whole context of Scripture in its entirety and wrap it all up and hide that word in our heart that I am a new creation. I have a new ancestry. Apart from who I am physically, apart from the zip code that I was born in, When this passage speaks about my forefathers, and if I believe the whole context of the Bible, that it's one seamless love letter from God the Father to me from beginning to end, then I can read passages out of the book of Deuteronomy, and I'm going to challenge you all to do the same with me this morning, and I can, I can transplant myself into these verses. Good. And I have the luxury, as I often say as I study the Old Testament, I have the luxury seeing how they got it wrong. If somebody were writing a book about my life, it would look much the same. Deuteronomy chapter 8 reads this way. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today. And please, again, I'm, I'm asking you, see yourself in these verses. If it wasn't relevant then, then it's not relevant now. But it was, and it still is. Listen for your Father's heart towards you, Distractions be gone. As many times as you as you've sat in this sanctuary, as many times as you've read this passage for yourself, look at it fresh and new and listen for your father's heart towards you today. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. He's not talking about my physical land I'm not reading this through that lens I'm a New Testament believer I've been infilled with the Holy Spirit of God my spiritual ancestry and my spiritual forefathers date back to the beginning of time I'm part of God's family I've been grafted in through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross he rose from the grave he's seated at the right hand of God interceding for me on my behalf that's who I am my forefathers are not revolutionaries that, that stormed Boston back in the 1700s. I'm not talking to you about a physical ancestry. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert those 40 years? Anybody wandered through a desert for any length of time at all in their in their in their time with God? Anybody anybody had God take them by the hand and lead them through some stuff? I have. I have. Thankfully, it didn't last for 40 years. To humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. What was in my heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands. It's getting personal, it's no longer about what my grandma believes. It's no longer about the church that I was raised in. It's getting personal. I have direct access. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known. He supplied you with things that you had never even dreamed of. Possibilities, spouses, partners in life, homes, land possessions experiences that you had never even imagined is that anybody's testimony it is mine i was in that delivery room the first time my oldest child was born well she was only born once (laughs) i got five it gets confusing to teach you that man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes the mouth on the, comes from the mouth of the Lord Jesus himself quotes that again in the New Testament so again if you're if you're battling in your mind to see where I'm at this morning withdrawing these conclusions out of the Old Testament and whether or not it pertains to you as a modern day New Testament believer it does it does and Jesus said it does this pertains to us your clothes did not wear out your spiritual clothing is not going to wear out. Amen. 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 Praise God. Verse 5. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. We don't teach him to memorize that one back in Kingdom Cubs. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in His ways and revering Him. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Here comes the multiplication part. A land with streams and pools of water with springs flowing in the valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron, and you can dig copper out of the hills. Listen to this prophecy. This is spoken over you today. When you have eaten and are satisfied... As if if it's a done deal. Is that anybody's testimony, spiritually speaking? I've, I've eaten. I come back to the Word of God, and I spend time with my Heavenly Father. I've been in my secret place. I get in my prayer closet. I come taste and see that the Lord is good, and I get filled up with Him daily. That's my goal. That's my aspiration. With the Lord's help, prompted by the Holy Spirit, led by Him, my goal every day is to feast on that goodness of who God is. I hope that's yours as well. I hope that's yours as well. I hope you're experiencing this kind of spiritual multiplication in your life. And we're going to talk, the next point that I'm going to get into is the distractions, but but avoiding the distractions that have a tendency to cause our heart to move laterally and to shift, even just from a Sunday to a Monday, even just moment by moment, something can happen, a text message can come in on your phone right now that can completely rewire your day. It should not be that way. It shouldn't be that way. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good he has given you. Amen. And that's what we come in here and do on Sunday mornings. And what an awesome honor and privilege it is. And again, to, to give the praise team another pat on the back, but the opportunity and the privilege. If you need that perspective shift this morning, if you've, if you've started taking this for granted, if, if in your 40th or 50th or 60th or 70th, or some of us in the room in your 80th year of life. If you've stopped considering just how big of a blessing this is. How you got here this morning, the bed that you woke up in. How amazing and how good and how rich of a life God has given you. Like Philippians 4 says, whatever is admirable... Whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is true, think on those things. I believe we're living in a day and in an hour where there's a heaviness on humankind today. We've given up on the media. Social media is garbage. The internet has been corrupted. There's so much going on around us. Read Philippians 4. It's so good. Think on these things. Get in the word of God. Daughter of the king, son of the king, keep your eyes fixed on him and don't take for granted all the amazing ways that we've been blessed. Amen. He's been so good to us. Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Verse 11, be careful that you do not forget. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his degrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, this is a continuation of the prophecy. And I'm just posing the question to see if this sounds familiar in anybody else's life. Verse 12, otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I wasn't physically delivered from the bondage of slavery in the nation of Egypt. That's not my heritage. For, for God's family, in Deuteronomy chapter 8 it was. I'm a continuation of that spiritual heritage and what began at the beginning of time and what God has done. And you can see it happening in people's lives today. The year 2024 in the United States of America, compared with, contrasted with, put in light of the context of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Amazing. Amazing. This word is for me. God speaking to his people and saying, you love me, you serve me, you obey me, you listen to me, you you enter into this communion and this relationship with me, and I'm going to bless you. That's multiplication. You choose to go your own way. You choose to to write your own check. You choose to do what makes you happy. What's anything multiplied by itself? Anything multiplied by one? Don't go square root on me. That's for later when we start getting into the 30, 60, and 100 fold. (laughs) Anything anything multiplied by one, anything that I try to do by myself is is me. The byproduct is just going to be me. And my wife's had enough of me. She she wants more of the the Jesus, Jeremy. We begin with the first point of today's message again. It's all about him, folks. Everything that we're going to talk about over the next few minutes, the idea that we can have a meaningful impact in our families and in our communities and in our neighborhoods and inside of this church body, the ability that we have to multiply no matter what we do, lest we not forget. Remember, 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 remember. Be thankful, give praise, worship. Jesus is at the center of everything that we're doing. And if we want to see spiritual multiplication in our lives... If we want the testimony of Jesus and the presence of God that lives inside of us to overflow and to be multiplied into somebody else's life, in my marriage, in the context of me as a parent, in the context of me as an employee, a son, a neighbor, a friend, for each one of us individually, I have to keep him at the center. I have to keep... My eyes transfixed on him. In Luke, in Luke 17, I said we were going to go to Luke, I think. Luke 17, 15 through 18. Luke 17, 15 through 18, there were 10 lepers that were healed. One came back. What happened to those other nine? says that as they were going to go wash, they were healed. As they were going. He commanded them on what they were supposed to go do, the lepers, to go get healed. And as they were going, they were healed. So I don't know that physically speaking, they were all that far away from the Messiah. Wouldn't have been all that complicated to do a 180 and retrace my steps back and say, thank you. 10%. One out of 10. Where did those other nine go? They had received life itself. I mean, leprosy in that day and age was was a death sentence. Your body just slowly wasted away. You were an outcast. You weren't allowed to interact with your family. Where was the praise? That that was their exodus out of Egypt. Spiritually speaking, there was one out of the ten that came back. I can draw some conclusions about what the rest of those people's lives might have looked like based off of the one who gave credit and honor and glory where it was due. And the other nine that so quickly forgot. They had been given life. We have been given life. And like I said, I'm mostly having a conversation with us this morning. Like we're, you know, sitting in the living room. We're, we're hanging around, hanging out around the fire. I, I'm, I'm talking for the most part to fellow believers today. If you're a visitor here this morning... If, if this is a little bit of a foreign language to you, and if you're going, man, this, this preacher's really way off out in right field, like I haven't even said I believe in God. If there's anybody that's in that category this morning, I'm not necessarily speaking to you. But for those of us that have accepted that gift, do we return praise the way that we should? Have we kept our eyes fixed on Him? Have we allowed distractions to creep in? I think that's what happened with those other nine. They had enough other stuff going on in their life and they were more excited to multiply that healing by themselves and to go let people know, hey, I've been healed than they were to go back and to give the worship. That story's in the Bible for a reason. There's, There's a teaching there. There's something that we need to grab a hold of because the large, large, large majority of those that had received the healing, it's pointed out in Scripture that They had no thanksgiving in their heart. Maybe they really didn't understand where it had come from or who, more precisely, it had come from. Should we change? That's okay. Colossians 3. test test thank you Carson you're awesome test test we too easily forget and it's time to remember remembrance ties us to the way remembrance has roots into our heritage you shouldn't feel isolated. You shouldn't feel as if you're left to, to do this Christian walk or to be on this journey with your Lord all alone. That's, that's not the truth. That's the, the proof of that is here around you this morning. If you're failing to find relationship and support and strength from other people around you, maybe it's time to ask. Maybe it's time to ask. And that's what multiplication looks like. And for most of us, I think maybe that, that train of thought Uh, Like I called it earlier that precept that fundamental about who god is that he's into He's into multiplying our mission and our efforts when it's when it's done in alignment with his word When it's done in alignment with his precepts and the way that he's commanded us out of scripture We can't help but not receive that multiplication And maybe for some of us this morning, maybe it feels like that it's only been division It's only been taking away. And if that's what you're feeling this morning I'm asking you to compare that against the lens of God's word and see if that was actually from him. The answer is it wasn't. The answer is, is, that's not who he is. He's good. He's good. And he'll teach you through the hard physical stuff and you can multiply through those seasons as well. Or you can choose to be bitter. You can choose to be selfish. You can choose to be victimized we can bounce these things off of the word of God and see that we're more than conquerors That's who I am And i've got a little bit more bounce in my step and i've got a little bit more joy in my heart Because I know that no matter what today brings God's still on his throne And my family needs me my church family needs me my community needs me And i'm going to be about multiplication I'm, not i'm not into subtraction. I don't want to be a drain. I don't want to take away I want to add to what God's been doing since the very beginning of time. He spoke it into existence in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. We're the byproduct of all that. When you stop and consider the history of humankind four to 5,000 years later since the Garden of Eden, and here you sit, if that doesn't blow your mind, I, I don't know what would. I don't know what would it's amazing and and when you study God's word you can't help but see it Colossians 3 encourages us to forgive one another that's another way that we can avoid being distracted I'm talking about the things that keep you away from experiencing multiplication in your life the way that God designed for us as a body to be on mission that's what we're doing here right we're not, we're not just enjoying a, a comfy chair in an air-conditioned room on a Sunday morning. We're here because we said before God, we said before others that, that we were going to be about advancing his kingdom, that his command was to go and to make disciples, and how we go about doing that and what it should look like according to the Bible. Yes, of course, things get in the way. We live in a, in a dead and decaying world, and there's, there's challenges, there's, there's pain. Those things are real. I don't mean to minimize Any of that. But all too often it can be our focus. And the same way Colossians chapter 3 encourages us to forgive each other. The beginning of that chapter Paul writes and says to keep your eyes fixed. Keep your gaze transfixed. Colossians 3, 1 through about 4. Keep your gaze fixed on him. That's how you avoid distractions. Because then you recognize them. Then that text message comes through, that phone call comes through, that person cuts you off in traffic or says that thing to you that always just gets you so riled up. And if you've got your eyes and your heart transfixed on the things of God, like Paul encourages us to do in Colossians 3, we can multiply in those moments as well because I have a choice because I'm not going to remain stagnant. I don't believe that there necessarily is a neutral in the kingdom of God. You're moving forward or you're moving backward in all aspects of your life. You're studying and drawing and putting roots down into the deep things of God, or you're backpedaling. That's it. That's it. And and if and if you and if you believe that you have arrived at a place where maybe for the last year or the last ten years or the last thirty years that that you feel as though it's safe for you to go ahead and put that into cruise control, that's dangerous territory. And and you can evaluate that on your own by just looking back over those cruise control months or years, and taking stock of whether or not there was any multiplication. Were you bearing any fruit? As we abide in the vine, the fruit will come. It's already been given. In fact. The way that passage plays out, my wife and I were having a discussion around this just a few days ago. To bear fruit isn't for you to give yourself the accolades and say that you did it. You're bearing his fruit. How, how are you carrying that? Right? Nobody plants an apple tree Expecting it to not produce any apples. God saved you and I. He gave His one and only Son so that you might bear fruit. His fruit. Awfully quiet in this global Methodist church, Pastor Jim. I'm going to run through a few examples of those who I feel in scripture got it right. We see, like I said, it's easy for you to do a Bible study on this and to look at multiplication and to see what this looks like when people are totally surrendered to the things of God and how things get multiplied. There's no way around it. The first one I want to go to is in 1 Kings. There's two prophets that we're going to look at here real quick. Elijah... Elisha, First Kings chapter 17, look at a story of multiplication, 17-7, 1 seven. Kings 17-7, seven. sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land, then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there, I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. These stories, these these historical accounts that we read from the Old Testament will have no impact whatsoever in your life if you don't believe that these things happened. We talked about this a little bit in Sunday school this morning, and how so much of how we interact with the Word of God, so much of how we behave as people, my my buddy Joel Manival says it best. what What you believe to be true about God is the most important thing about you. And if you read the word of God, and if you see how he was interacting with a prophet named Elijah, and then in second Kings, a prophet named Elisha. And if you don't believe that that ever happened and that that's God's nature, And that we have the opportunity through these stories to learn about who he is because I need to know how I'm to interact with him in this life. The whole purpose of the word of God, the whole purpose of the word of God to tell the story of God's redemption of his people and how awesome and amazing and deep and vast and and even unattainable it is for our human brains to understand just how much he loves us. I'll continue on in 1 Kings 17. God told Elijah that he had commanded a widow in that place to supply him with food verse 10. So he went to Zarephath when he came to the town gate a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink as she was going to get it he called and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives she replied I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. God told Elijah he had commanded a widow to feed him. Elijah shows up and the widow says, ain't happening. Elijah said to her in verse 13, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake for me from what you have and bring it to me. Do you sense that? Do you feel that what's happening in this scene? Elijah believes what God told him. She's a contradiction. She, she's an attempt at a distraction. Elijah said, no, go. go. Go and do this. I know what you see here in the physical. I, I know the, the level of despair that you must be experiencing, realizing that you're to the point of starvation where you're actually having a conversation about your final meal. The only other people that ever have that conversation are on death row. She's having this conversation with her child. This is it. That's a pretty deep level of despair. And Elijah said, don't forget to add some for me. Elijah had heard the voice of God. Elijah knew how this was going to play out. The widow had been given the opportunity to believe, but she was struggling through it, right? She, she was coming through it a little bit slower and she needed the encouragement from Elijah And then here comes the multiplication. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the Lord gives rain on the land. So if you feel like that your cupboard is a little light, if you're feeling like this morning that your your tub of flour is a little thin, if the jar of oil has gone dry, take hope because the God of the Bible, the Lord of Heaven's armies, the author, the king eternal says otherwise. He says otherwise about you this morning. Amen. Amen. This is the life. This is the way. This is the truth. This is where we find ourselves in early 2024 as a church, as the bride of Christ. Believe the word of God. The the situations and the circumstances around you have no bearing whatsoever on who he is. What do you believe to be true? Do you believe that multiplication can happen because of your life? Do you believe that? Or do you think it's a really nice notion for the person sitting next to you? It's a really good idea for my spouse. Well, well, that that's all fine and good to think that somebody would bear fruit for God. I'm not even necessarily sure I know what that means. That's That's a good idea for somebody else. But, Jeremy, you don't know me. Jeremy, this isn't the way I study the Bible. Just, you know, just you know, step back a little bit. Give me, give me some breathing room here. I'm, I'm living, I'm living my life for me. Well, sure. I haven't seen a whole lot of multiplication, but look at my bank account. That was Deuteronomy eight. That was Deuteronomy eight, that they were being instructed in that. And they were saying, be careful. The Lord's blessing doesn't come without risk. You want to multiply the things of God, receive every good thing that he has for you and all of his blessing and give him praise and honor. Awesome. That's the prescription. That's the formula for multiplication. You want to walk in that blessing and receive all of these things and have him pour out his goodness abundance on you so you can pat yourself on the back. That has a prescription and an outcome as well. Those two things are very clear in scripture, we try to get them complicated. The enemy wants to mess it all up and, and get wires crossed and send mixed signals. And did he really say, and well, that's it. I'm going off to form Lutheran. I'm headed off to go be Baptist. I'm going to run over here. And well, I think the Roman Catholics have, have it all figured out since Deuteronomy 8. Since Deuteronomy 8, we've, we've, been, we've been going down this road. We've been traveling this road. And God from heaven must be looking down. And I think his heart is broken. My buddy Mac says it all the time. When we get to heaven, you know, what? No eye has seen, not even yours. No mind has conceived, not even the top theologians. Nobody can fully understand, can fully attain the things that God has in store for us. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you want that kind, that type of? of spiritual multiplication in your life. For the sake of time, I'm going to skip over 2 Kings 4 and talking about Elisha, another example of a widow and her debtors had come to take her kids away as slaves because her husband had died and left her in debt. The blessing stopped, the multiplication stopped in her life. When? When God ran out of multiplication. When God ran out of oil. No, it was the jars. She had gathered X amount of jars and that's what God multiplied. Gather more jars. Keep gathering. There's plenty that are out there that are empty. There's plenty. And we know them. And we know them. And, and, and our, our ability to have impact in their life stops At the extent that we believe God for His multiplication. Do you have somebody in your life that you've considered to be too far gone? I hope not. I hope not. That's not my God. He's able to fill the jar. Go get some. Amen. Matthew 14, another example of some really awesome multiplication. We know the story of the boys' lunch. Matthew 14, 16. That's really our anthem for for dinner church for community dinner in golden city that we that we launched last month that's coming up again next week matthew 14 16 said jesus said to his disciples no 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 don't send them away you feed them see he's looking for vessels to allow the multiplication to flow through he's sovereign he's all-powerful He'll choose to use somebody else if it's not you. God's will will be done in this life and for all eternity. He's in control. We established that at the outset, but he sure would like to move on our behalf. He sure would like to use us, as Romans 15, 13 says, to be filled up in order to overflow and to be multiplied because the jar doesn't run empty. Amen. Amen. Another example of multiplication the parable of the talents. You guys are familiar with that story. It was 10 for 10 and 5 for 5. Plus, the guy that had the 10 was given another 10, and he got the one that was taken away from the guy that chose division. So, on your pop quiz this next week, kids, if the answers are multiplication or division, it's multiplication. Don't choose division. I googled this earlier because I was curious King Solomon Was another example of a of a guy from the old testament that we know was multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied And had sin in his life and had sin in his life and had sin in his life And god blessed him and he repented and came back and back and forth. Solomon went Solomon was going to be the recipient of of blessing because god had already promised it. there was nothing he could do to stop it what he chose to do with that blessing was on him. His net worth today calculated for inflation. Best estimates, 2.1 trillion. The guy knew multiplication. He had seen it since a boy growing up around King David and then experiencing it in his own life. 2.1 trillion. And they said that that didn't even include necessarily the royalties and the tributes that the other world leaders were just sending to him. They didn't even know why. Because God spoke it and said it was going to happen. Because the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God will remain forever. And Solomon was going to be blessed, and it was going to be up to him, and it's going to be up to you. And it's going to be up to me to decide what we will do with that blessing. Praise God. 2.1 trillion. There's a guy, I have to share this passage because nobody knows who Zophar is. Anybody? Zophar? Job 11. Zophar the Namathite. Speaking of multiplication, right? That's where we're at this morning. We've looked at several different examples. I want you to look at this one. The next time that you consider that your words don't have power, the next time that the Holy Spirit prompts you to to make that phone call, to run across town and go pay that visit, to write that letter, listen to the words of Zophar responding to his friend Job, who's writhing in the ashes has had everything taken away from him. Look at the difference then later. Use this as a little Bible study. We're reading Job 11. This is Zophar's response to chapter 10 when Job speaks. And then listen to the tone change in Job chapter 12 when he replies to Zothar. But I want you to specifically hear from Zothar this morning. Zophar, Job 11, 14 through 17. If you put away the sin that is in your hand, he's speaking to Job. And stretch out your hands to him. This is another prescription for us today. These words have bearing. This is the, the, the word of God being digested by our spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit today. Job 11, verse 14. If you put away the sin that is in your hand and you allow no evil to dwell in your tent, Then you will lift up your face without shame. You will stand firm without fear. You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters gone by. Life will be brighter than noonday and the darkness will become like morning. You will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid. And many will court your favor. Now remember the context of who it is that's saying this and who he's speaking to Right He's given he's given job a little bit of a reality check here He said, okay job enough. We get it But it's time to move forward. It's time to lean on the things of god It's time to remember who you are in light of who he is and don't be so focused on your circumstances And there was power in this man's word And we see a transformation take place in Job's life as you read through this book and you see him come out of this awesome tragedy. It was because he had people around him who were willing to speak the truth to him. He had a friend named Zophar that was bold enough, that was courageous enough to say to him in his most desperate hour, okay, enough of that. It's time that we get back on mission here. The Bible states pretty clearly that there's going to be some grand Multiplication at the end Did you know That everybody Will believe in Jesus Every knee will bow That's some pretty awesome multiplication If you ask me Every knee is going to bow Every tongue Is going to confess That Jesus is Lord Now Full disclosure, the only difference here is going to be whether or not it was too late. So, so I want to I tread lightly there with that statement. And, and, and I know how, how easily deceived, especially young people in the room this morning, what you heard me say is that everybody's going to believe in Jesus and that the timing of when you make that decision and when you make that commitment is of the utmost importance. It can be too late. You will believe in Jesus. We all are going to bow. It can be too late. That's Romans 14, 11, and 12. So, if you're not, if I'm not multiplying biblically, Why not? Why not? For each one of us individually, personally, I think we have to answer that question today. And, and if you let yourself off the hook pretty quickly and you say, well, I am multiplying biblically and you just move on throughout your day, well, praise God for you, you saint, you, you, you redeemed, then go in the power and the favor and the anointing of the Lord and, and keep on keeping on. If you're like me... And you bump back into this from time to time and as you look back and try to make course corrections and, and are being available to allow yourself to, to be in communion with the Holy Spirit and to view things through a spiritual perspective, then receive this challenge this morning and take some stock and be courageous enough inside of your home, inside of your marriage to, to make those necessary adjustments and to acknowledge that there's some areas that have, that have been lacking and some things to do differently. And, and maybe I have started taking things for granted. Maybe my net worth is not 2.1 trillion like King Solomon's would be calculated for today. But he's been pretty good to me. He's been pretty good to me. I, I was born in the United States of America I received a pretty decent education. I graduated and served the United States Marine Corps, and uh, God has given me the giftings and the abilities to be able to provide for my family, and we have five beautiful children. I experience God's goodness and his grace and his mercy, and I give him praise for what he has done in my life. I believe there's more. If that's your statement this morning... If that's where your heart is at this morning as you contemplate being on mission for God and whether or not there's been tangible multiplication. If you're if you're if you're bold enough to ask yourself that question this morning and make and make those adjustments, then I I want you to join me at the altar this morning. Praise team if you'd come. This is this is my this is my altar, Carl. This is my this is my question that I'm posing to you today, the challenge, the thing that I want us to contemplate together as a family. What is your best yes? What is your best yes? And where are you applying it? What's it accomplishing? Your life? Your influence? And, and it doesn't have to be complicated. This, this doesn't mean that you're, that you're headed off to attend seminary, although some of you may. This doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, have to quit your job and move to the other side of the globe. Some of us may. But what it does mean in your life is a very personal conversation between you and your Heavenly Father. And whether or not we actually... Take him at his word, as I get to know his character. There's something very powerful about seeing yourself from the perspective of the eternal creator. That's why I love to go back and read the Old Testament is because it offers me that, that frame of reference. I, I'm not just trying to figure things out in the context of the last 43 years, thank goodness. But I know my God. I know who he was, who he is, and who he will be tomorrow. And I can multiply and put my stock and put my investment in that. Regardless of the circumstances around me. There's something very powerful about seeing yourself from the perspective of the eternal creator. Father God. Elohim. Your ancestry. Imagine for just a moment how completely unrevocably valuable... And loved you are. And maybe even a continuation to that statement and that challenge to remember how loved you are. If you don't believe that, then you need to answer the question why? Why don't you believe that? If I can say that and make that statement about you, that you are a prized possession of the God of the universe each one of us individually, that his love has no bounds outside of this county, outside of this state, across the other side of the globe for all of time, more than enough love for each and every one of us. That's encouraging. Take hope in that today. Spread that as your good news. Remind people how loved they are. If you, wanna, if you have a hard time finding who those people are that you can say that to, start praying that way. God, who is it today that just needs to be reminded how incredibly loved they are? There's some serious multiplication in that. Serious multiplication in that. Maybe you've been the recipient of that phone call before. I've had I've had those experiences in my life when when things were pretty down and somebody would say something to me and I would I would feel the power of God come over that moment. And and maybe even I hadn't realized how off my thinking was. And from the very beginning of time, the creator God is beckoning. Each one of us this morning. There's so much potential gathered in this room this morning so much heavenly potential gathered in this room this morning he loves us so much we should never get tired of hearing it through all eternity multiplying since the very beginning throughout all of human history there's been stargazers philosophers theologians engineers astrophysicists they keep building bigger nasa telescopes they haven't found the end of him yet Way bigger than you could ever possibly imagine or think. Your God. My God. If the jar of oil is empty, believe for something different. Believe. Take him at his word. For you and for me. For all of us. And from Genesis 1 to... Revelation twenty two seventeen, 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Come, Jesus. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Not that I ever thought that there was any stock in me doing it on my own. I've made those mistakes. I've learned from those errors, God. But I know that anything that I set my hand to... If I do it in alignment with your word, if I do it because you've told me to do it, regardless of how crazy it might look to others around me, 30, 60, 100 fold, multiplication. Empty jars all around us. Overflow. Overflow into somebody's life this week. Could be a complete stranger. Might be the person sitting next to you do it anyway. Amen. Amen. God is good. I'm going to allow the worship team to to close us out this morning. And as they do to, 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 to pose the question, the challenge, the encouragement one more time, would you come and join me at the altar this morning? If you're willing to say, yeah, I believe. I believe that the multiplication that could be happening in my life spiritually hasn't necessarily been the way that it should be, not because of anything God did, right? If there's anything out of balance in the equation and the formula, it's not him. Let's be honest. Take him at his word this morning. He'll wash over you. He'll encourage you. He'll fill you up. So, Heavenly Father, we do pray in Jesus' mighty name, God, that we would not leave this place the way that we came in. We thank you for your truth that is multiplication. God, that as we go, you go with us. We will bear fruit because that's who you are. This is your story. Holy is your name. We love you, Lord. Amen and amen.